RTHK, the News at One with Tom Warden. The headlines. The Commerce Chief says a successful challenge to a U.S. ban on the Made in Hong Kong label was about upholding the SAR's status. A court rejects a bid to call off the sedition trial of two former Stan News editors. And the latest easing of COVID regulations is hailed as a Christmas present to everyone. The Commerce Minister, Aljunin Yao, says the government's successful challenge to a U.S. ban on the Made in Hong Kong label is a matter of upholding the SAR's separate status in the World Trade Organization. A WTO panel yesterday ruled against Washington's decision to order that goods made in the SAR be labeled as coming from China. Mr. Yao said Hong Kong sent only a fraction of its exports to the U.S., but the value of the trade wasn't the point. The whole spirit is to uphold the status and position of Hong Kong Special Administration Region in the WTO as a separate custom territory. It caused a lot of confusion to the customer regarding made in Hong Kong or made in China. It is also causing unnecessary concern by the manufacturer to separate the production into made in Hong Kong and made in China for doing the business. Mr. Yao said the decision would take effect if Washington opted not to appeal. U.S. officials have called the ruling flawed and said they won't change their labeling rules. The district court has rejected an application to permanently halt the sedition trial of two former Stan News editors. Violet Wong has the details. Chung Pui Kun and Patrick Lam face charges relating to around a dozen articles published by the now-defunct online outlet. The lawyers applied for a permanent stay of proceedings after it was discovered that prosecutors failed to submit to the court more than 500 other articles. They argued that the documents might have affected how they would handle the case and interrogate witnesses. However, Judge Kwok Waikin said the defense had not established that the failure to disclose those documents would render the trial unfair. The judge added that he couldn't be certain that continuing with the trial would represent an abuse of process. People heading to bars will no longer have to take rapid tests from today, while the number of diners at banquets will no longer be limited in the latest easing of anti-COVID rules. The government says changes are possible because the pandemic situation has stabilized. The chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, told RTHK that the relaxation was the best Christmas present for everybody, adding that the sector expects a boost to business. Obviously, I perfect, uh, really expect something like one and a half folds. You know, it, it, uh, it, it really looks uh, very, very good. People are now going out. But the fact that you can drop the rapid test and banquet, uh, they, banquets are increased, uh, you know, the numbers are increased uh, for banquets. And then also uh, people in general, uh, and now the talk of the border with China opening up, that's a big, big plus, and hopefully it's uh, early January. This would, this would really make a big, big difference. However, with the SAR continuing to record about 16,000 COVID cases per day, a respiratory medicine specialist urged members of the public to practice good hygiene, especially when joining holiday activities. Dr. Leung Chi Chu said doing so would help reduce the burden on medical staff and lessen the risk of the virus spreading to vulnerable populations, including elderly people and the unvaccinated. 
I think the major problem is uh, now uh, we are still uh, in the course of significant rebound of the COVID-19 cases and the weather is also cold and we are seeing uh, increasing pressure uh, in the hospital systems and we need to take care uh, of possible uh, hospital outbreaks as well as we have to work close at our OH homes such as if we see weather the transmission there. The mainland has again reported zero new COVID-19 deaths, the same as the previous day. The National Health Commission said there were a further 45 severe cases across the nation yesterday, a slight decrease from the previous day. But the latest official figures were announced shortly after the head of the World Health Organization, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said the agency was very concerned about rising reports of severe coronavirus disease across the nation. WHO is very concerned over the evolving situation in China with increasing reports of severe disease. In order to make a comprehensive risk assessment of the situation on the ground, WHO needs more detailed information on disease severity, hospital admissions and requirements for ICU support. WHO is supporting China to focus its efforts on vaccinating people at the highest risk across the country. The United Nations Security Council has for the first time adopted a resolution calling for Myanmar's military government to end political violence in the country. The Security Council also called for the immediate release of all political prisoners, including the ousted Prime Minister Aung San Suu Kyi. China, Russia and Myanmar abstained from the vote. China's ambassador to the UN, Zhang Jun, said there was no quick fix to the political crisis in Myanmar. The international community should adhere to the right direction of promoting peace talks and on the premise of respecting Myanmar's sovereignty, political independence, territorial integrity and unity, and to play a constructive role in advancing rational dialogues and bridging differences among all parties in Myanmar. Dame Barbara Woodward is the UK's ambassador to the United Nations. Today we've sent a firm message to the military that they should be in no doubt we expect this resolution to be implemented in full. We've also sent a clear message to the people of Myanmar that we seek progress in line with their rights, their wishes and their interests. The Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has told a packed joint session of the US Congress that the war in Ukraine is a fight for the freedom of the world. In a rousing speech, he thanked the U.S. for its financial and military support and reminded politicians of the human cost of Russia's attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure. In two days, we will celebrate Christmas. Maybe candle it. Not because it's more romantic, no. But because there will not be, will be no electricity. Millions won't have neither heating nor running water. All of these will be the result of Russian missile and drone attacks on our energy infrastructure. Earlier, President Biden and Mr. Zelensky held a joint press conference at the White House as the Ukrainian leader makes his first overseas trip since the war with Russia began. Mr. Biden said the U.S. would continue to strengthen Ukraine's ability to defend itself. He said on the 300th day since the war began that Ukraine continued to inspire the American people. 300 days since Putin launched an unprovoked, 
unjustified all-out assault on the free people of Ukraine. 300 days of Ukrainian people showing Russia and the world their steel backbone, their love of country, and their unbreakable determination to choose their own path. Mr. Biden said the latest support would include the Patriot missile defense system. He pledged new and more security assistance worth more than $2 billion U.S. dollars. Earlier, Mr. Zelensky expressed his gratitude for Washington's backing. Vladimir Putin has told his top defense officials the Russian army can have whatever it needs to win the war in Ukraine. During a televised speech in Moscow, the Russian president said all military equipment should be the most up-to-date. Everything a serviceman needs should be modern, comfortable and reliable. And if some departmental standards are outdated, they need to be changed quickly. We have no funding restrictions. The country and the government give everything that the army asks for. Everything. President Putin said hypersonic missiles would be deployed on board a Russian warship from January. He also talked about improving the combat readiness of the country's strategic nuclear forces. His defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, told the meeting the total size of the army needed to be increased to one and a half million men. The man behind the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange, FTX, is on his way back to the United States after agreeing to be extradited from the Bahamas. Sam Bankman-Fried is accused of committing what the American authorities have called one of the biggest financial frauds in U.S. history. The U.S. prosecutor for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, made the announcement in a video statement. Samuel Bankman-Fried is now in FBI custody and is on his way back to the United States. He will be transported directly to the Southern District of New York, and he will appear in court before a judge in this district as soon as possible. Israel's Prime Minister-designate, Benjamin Netanyahu, says he expects to be sworn back into office next week after successfully forming a new government, giving him a record sixth term in power. The coalition government, backed by ultra-Orthodox Jewish parties and ultra-nationalist parties, is set to be the most right-wing in Israel's history. It plans to expand Jewish settlements and increase control over the security forces and judiciary. The Jewish power party leader Itamar Ben-Gavir, a far-right politician previously convicted for racism, will be appointed national security minister. The Supreme Court in Nepal has ordered the release from prison of Charles Sobraj, a notorious French serial killer and fraudster responsible for more than 20 murders across Asia from the 1970s. Sobraj was imprisoned in Nepal in 2004 for the murder of two North American women tourists. The BBC's Harry Bly has more. He targeted Western tourists backpacking through Asia. Now what he would do is befriend them and then murder them. He told an Australian journalist in 2021 that he despised backpackers. He said he saw them as poor young drug addicts. His lawyer says that the life imprisonment sentence in Nepal is usually 20 years, and so he served 95%, and because of his age, he should have been released earlier. They say that he could be released from prison by Thursday. To sport... And we start with the English League Cup, where Manchester United are back in business. Marcus Rashford moving through the gears, breaking into Burnley territory, gets to the halfway line, into the penalty area!
Manchester United are through to the League Cup quarterfinals after a 2-0 victory over the second-tier leaders Burnley at Old Trafford. Marcus Rashford and Christian Eriksen got the goals. Nottingham Forest also progressed after winning 4-1 away to Blackburn Rovers. But the Premier League side Brighton are out. They were beaten 4-3 on penalties by Charlton Athletic, who sit 18th in the third tier of English football. The Premier League champions Manchester City host Liverpool tonight in the League Cup last 16, the first competitive fixture for both teams after the World Cup break. 16 City players represented their country in Qatar, and their boss Pep Guardiola says they've come back with better fitness than those whose nations didn't qualify. Players were in the World Cup, they are in better condition than the players that were here, that's for sure. So Sergio, Erling, Riyad, Cole, they miss a little bit comparing that, for example, Manu, Akanji and Rodri and Aime and Nathan, they came back, they, we saw them so good, perfectly. The Ukrainian club Shakhtar Donetsk is taking the world governing body FIFA to the court of arbitration for sport. Over the move, it says, has led to most of its overseas players leaving on free transfers. The BBC's Simon Stone has details. When the war in Ukraine started, FIFA reacted by saying that any international players who were contracted to teams in Russia or Ukraine that wanted to leave the region could do so clearly, but they wouldn't be uh, limited to not being allowed to play for any other club until the transfer window opened at the beginning of July. So basically, players were allowed to leave and their contracts effectively ripped up and then go and sign for a new club somewhere else in Europe or in the world and allow them to continue their careers. That is what FIFA did. Shakhtar, for their part, felt that was unfair because that cost them huge amounts of money, 40 million euros, they're saying, in lost income because the players, international players, who were worth a lot of money, suddenly could walk out on them um, and they didn't get a transfer fee at all. So that, that is effectively Shakhtar's case. Rugby union and Eddie Jones says he didn't think he was coaching poorly, despite losing his England job two weeks ago. Jones says he wants to continue coaching at the international level ahead of next year's Rugby World Cup. Jones was sacked by the RFU after England's worst run of results since 2008. They're quite entitled to make those thoughts, mate. They're guided by ideas and principles, and we never complain when they appoint us, so we can't complain when they unappoint us. There's always judgments that you reflect back with the value of hindsight. In the moment, the decisions I made, look, I thought I was coaching well, mate. I've had chats with various people in various organisations about the possibility of joining their team in a capacity over the next 24 months. I love coaching, and I want to make sure I share the great experience I've had. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it Diamonds on the soles of her shoes He's a poor boy, empty as a pocket Empty as a pocket with nothing to lose Sing ta-na-na, ta-na-na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes 